Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades. And in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the U.S. in California. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Just send email to radio at lsm.org. Now let's join today's show. Though the Bible was written over a period of many hundreds of years and written by scores of different authors, there are several consistent themes that run through from the beginning to the end, the most significant of which may be seeing God as a flowing fountain or a river. This picture, the flowing fountain, the river of life, really reveals God in his divine economy in a marvelous way. And we see it quite profoundly in the book of Jeremiah. And Francis Ball has joined us for our fellowship today. Second time you've been with us, Francis, in this book of uh, Jeremiah. I think you were here on the opening program. We're still uh, enjoying verse 213 from Jeremiah because of uh, this matter of God wanting to be a flowing fountain to his people. We can't get away from it, can we? That is really a wonderful picture. And not only a picture, it's a fact that God wants to be flowing so he can spread himself and increase himself. We talk about this matter. We've seen it in many of the other books. Of course, we've seen the river before in the Old Testament book of uh, Genesis. And as we'll see today, it's in the Psalms, it's in Ezekiel, it's uh, repeatedly brought up in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, famous, I think, portion there, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And And then the entire divine revelation consummates Revelation chapter 22. Here's the river again flowing out of the throne of God in the city in the New Jerusalem. So, uh, We like to say that it conveys or typifies this matter of God's divine economy. Maybe in just about one minute, you could help our listeners understand what we mean when we say that. Well, God's economy is that he wants to work himself into his chosen people to be their life and actually be the increase of himself in his people. And this flowing river is essential for that because God wants us to learn to eat, drink, and breathe him. And so there is a river that flows out in Genesis. That river is seen again in the Psalms Mm -hmm. a number of times. And like the one in Ezekiel, as you mentioned, because there a river is increasing a flow. Right. It even gets uh, to a point that you can't swim in it. We're carried along in it. (laughs) So God's intention in this river is to show us that he wants to increase himself as life in his people. Well, let's look at a couple of these verses as we uh, prepare to join Witness Lee for this fellowship today. Verse now we've been touching a number of times in this life study of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which hold no water. And now in Psalms 46, verse 4 
There is a river whose streams gladden the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. And uh, Francis, you referred to Ezekiel. We're not going to read that here because really that takes a whole passage to really get the understanding. But I think in Ezekiel, the significant thing, and it reminds me of it here, it's connected to the house of God, the temple there, here the tabernacle. Right. There's a real association, isn't there, between this river and the house of God? Sure there is, because the river flows out from the house and into the house. And in Revelation, I mentioned uh, chapter 22, the very first verse of that final chapter of the Bible, and he showed me a river of water of life, bright as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. Ah, Francis, uh, there's a river awaiting us even in the New Jerusalem. Marvelous. This should really give us the impression that God is a delight to enjoy. And that brings us right to our first portion today. I think we'll... uh, provide a good backdrop as we join Witness Lee now for this first fellowship. God wants to be the fountain of the living water for his elect people to drink, to get quenched, and to get satisfied for a purpose. For the purpose that God could be increased. I don't think you have ever heard this word, God wants to be increased. In the Bible, there was such a thought that God wanted to be the satisfying water to his elect. Psalm 36 says, In your house there is the river of life. In the Old Testament, Quite often, there is a river. Do you remember that in Genesis 2, a river flows by side of the tree of life. Then in the Psalms, a few times refers to this river. Then Ezekiel, it is in chapter 47, Ezekiel saw a vision of this river flowing out of the temple of God. Then the Bible concludes with this river in Revelation 22. Because it is through the flow of this river, God's economy will be accomplished. This economy is to produce a counterpart for God. God as the husband, he needs a wife. He needs a bride to match him, to be his increase, to be his enlargement. And the word increase is used in John chapter 3, verse 29. He, Jesus, should be increased and I should be decreased. I should be nothing and he has to be enlarged. Then, finally, he said, ah, the bridegroom is the one to take the bride. Who is the bridegroom? That's Christ. Who is the bride? That's the church. Francis, we've seen the river now presented and related to something you said in the introduction, and we just heard again, related to God needing or desiring an increase 
I believe that has to be a new thought to many of our listeners, some of which maybe have heard us talk about this topic before, but certainly it would be easy to say, isn't God big enough? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some would say that. How could God be increased? Right. Well, in himself, he cannot be increased. But in his purpose, in his goal, in his desire to flow himself into his chosen people, into all his redeemed people, that means he wants to be increased. He wants to be flowing into them. So he has brought out here that there is a river flowing that is God himself flowing out to his people. So we could drink him, we could take him in, and he could flow into us and be increased in that way. Witnessly quoted or referred at least to John chapter 3, verses 29 and 30. If we put those two together, as he said, it's clear in this context. Let me read the verses. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices with joy because of the bridegroom's voice. This joy of mine, therefore, is made full. This is John the Baptist speaking now about the Lord Jesus and his disciples. And then this classic word in verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. In context here, the bride that the bridegroom has come to take is really identified as the increase. Talk about that for a minute. Right. God himself needs one to match him. So God in Christ has flowed himself into humanity. He came that way by being born in a manger. He put on humanity, he put on the human nature, and God became a man. Mm. That was a God-man that was born there in the manger. And he went through his whole life on earth expressing God. His whole intention was to flow out God to all his disciples and all his followers to make them the same as he is in life because he wants them to be born again. Mm -hmm. So he comes in as life. We all know that to be regenerated means that we get the life of God. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Right. So our spirit got life by that regeneration. But he wants to continually flow himself into us so that even our whole being, our mind, our emotion, our will, mm-hmm. our whole being is an increase of God by this flowing into us. So this river here is really something quite marvelous in God's intention. And we'll see, I believe, in this message how this river is really God's faithfulness flowing to his people. So when we are talking about God desiring to increase, as you pointed out, that's not in himself, certainly in his eternal being. He is complete, unchanging, and eternal. But in us, he wants to increase. Well, let's come back to consider a point in Jeremiah. At the time that Jeremiah was called, raised up by God, the situation among his people Israel was in a very degraded and degrading state, I would say it's fair that it was declining and already degraded. And the Lord needed to raise up one. And the one that he selected in his sovereignty at that time, of course, was this prophet Jeremiah. And we find out he was called even while he was in his mother's womb. And uh, we will hear witnessly refer to uh, his calling and bring to mind our own calling, which we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in the New Testament. God is faithful through whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Right after God finished the building up of Eve, and that couple lived quite well in the Garden of Eden, not too long, then the subtle one, the old serpent, came in. They talked to the wife, and the wife was not 
faithful to God. So she got seduced. And uh, the sign, the symbol of Satan was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And through the wife, man, Adam, also got seduced. You see, this is an evil in the eyes of God. Then man went away from God to the idols, to so many idols. You have to know, the tree of knowledge also has many branches. Many, many branches. I must tell you, every branch of the tree of knowledge is an idol. Everything we possess could be an idol. Your car could be an idol. The way you dress yourself, all could be idols. Whatever you possess, whatever you own, even whatever you are, could be an idol. Don't think only Israel in the book of Jeremiah were evil. We are the same. You know, when I was compelling the hymnal, I considered very, very much whether I should take the hymn which you sung. Great is thy faithfulness. What do you mean by the word faithfulness? God is faithful. That's right. He is faithful. I will ask you, God is faithful in what? I read to you at least one verse. God is faithful who called you into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful in this. Not faithful in giving you a beautiful wife. Not faithful to give you a high job. Not faithful to help you to get PhD. God is faithful in what? In uh, leading us into his economy. And his economy is for us just to enjoy Christ, to absorb Christ, to drink Christ, to eat Christ, to assimilate Christ. That is God's faithfulness. Francis, maybe we have tried out this verse about God's faithfulness. I think we all know the hymn he's referring to, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And maybe we've applied this trying to get him to answer that kind of a prayer. Lord, I need a new car, a new house, a new position. And we may have come to the conclusion that he's not that faithful. Sometimes we may get it, sometimes we may not. But there are some things about which he is eternally, reliably faithful, aren't there? There is that indeed. God is faithful, but his faithfulness is in calling us to the fellowship of his son. It's not talking here about us, his being faithful to give us something, but to do something for his own self, for his own purpose. Right. God is faithful to do something in us that will satisfy his eternal intention. And his faithfulness is really to God himself and to his eternal purpose. And I feel like, Chris, that many times we Christians are so self-centered so occupied with how we're doing and how things are going with us that we just interpret that God's faithfulness is measured by how much good he gives us, Mm -hmm. how many things he can make available to us. But as Brother Lee pointed out, everything can be an idol. So he's not faithful to give us idols. He's faithful to give us himself. But if we don't take him and his faithfulness and enjoy him as our life and everything to us, then we're apt to pick up anything as an idol. He even mentioned the way we comb our hair 
or whether or not we get a new car, so many things. Most anything we possess can be an idol. And this is what I think we're going to see that Israel fell into. Even after he has called them, they still fell into this degraded situation of idolatry. You know, you think about that, and I have to confess, even something as small as a fountain pen, you know, you can get fixated with something that someone else has, and you all of a sudden just really desire to have it yourself. At that moment, that becomes an idol. That has replaced God in our heart, hasn't it? That's right. That's the danger. Everything that we lay our eyes on and our hope for can become an idol. Well, we all need the kind of uh, faithful calling that is spoken of in this verse being called again and again into the fellowship of his son. I think the first day we were together in Jeremiah, we're also talking about these verses. And at that time, I believe we mentioned in Lamentations, which really is incorporated into Jeremiah's whole speaking here. At the time Israel was carried away into exile or captivity into Babylon, he wrote what became known as the Lamentations of Jeremiah. But there's a portion in that book that matches what we're talking about in his prophecy of Jeremiah. And in chapter 3 of Lamentations, the same Jeremiah writes, it is Jehovah's loving kindness that we are not consumed. Mm -hmm. For his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And there's that classic line. Jehovah is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Jehovah is good to those who wait on him, to the soul that seeks him. Let's go back to Witness Lee for our final segment. Jeremiah, he ministered 41 years. In this period of time of 41 years, he saw three exiles. The first one by Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah warned them, but they wouldn't listen. So God sent Babylonians to come, to capture them. The Babylonians burned Jerusalem, the houses and uh, destroyed the temple. So after that, Jeremiah was very, very hurt in his feeling. But listen, at that juncture, he wrote this limitation that says, we are not consumed. It is Jehovah's loving kindness. All the people of Israel would have said, we are finished. We are finished. We got to give up. But Jeremiah, he said, we are not consumed. We are still here. God's compassions do not fail. And his compassions are new every morning. Jehovah is my person. Therefore, I hope in him. Not only so, he should go to those, to everyone who wait on him. Is there any hope? Yes, there's much hope. Why? Because with God, there's no disappointment. Israel's failure, Israel's evil, Israel's forsaking of God just opens the way widely for Christ to come in. Your failure opens the way for Christ to come in. God is patient. God is compassionate. And he will take time to make you mature. You have to know, every believer, weak and strong, will be in the New Jerusalem, yet everyone there would be matured. Then you would say, by what way so many Christians, they all will be matured? God has a way. You don't need to worry. 
Why I dare to say this? Because reading of Jeremiah, there is conclusion. Regardless what, 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 evil, wicked, rotten, and forsaking God, heal out many, 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 many cisterns, idols, Jeremiah concludes with a strong restoration of Israel. Israel will be restored. Eventually, Christ will be there. Because Christ will be there as a righteousness and as a redemption in your life. Francis, I'd like to pick up right where we left off because I think you said something that ties in exceedingly well with what we just heard. Uh, You were talking about how most Christians, maybe all of us at different times, get centered on ourselves and what God is doing for us. But this picture of Jeremiah at his absolute low point, Israel had been carried away now third time, and this captivity looked as if probably it would be forever from where Jeremiah was sitting. The temple had been destroyed. The city was leveled. It was just a deplorable situation. And he was so grieving that he writes a book called Lamentations. But through all of that, he says, Jehovah is good to those who wait on him, to the soul that seeks him. He never lost his focus, did he, on uh, what God was after. And uh, ultimately, Israel's restored. And ultimately, Christ will come and be all of these things, uh, righteousness and redemption and even life to Israel. Yes. It is marvelous to see how God is faithful. And even though Israel was unfaithful, and Jeremiah warned Israel before the first exile and repeatedly warned Israel, but they still didn't return. They just hewed out cisterns that hold no water. But no, God is going to flow himself into his people. Mm. And when Israel failed, even though he does discipline them, and he will discipline them, God's way is righteous but it's also with a purpose that he will not give up. So I think we have to take much hope in this particular portion of the book of Jeremiah because Jeremiah, especially in Lamentations, when Jeremiah had reached a point where he was just so sorrowful that he wrote such a pitiful book about uh, his sorrow, and yet in it there's such a high point that God is faithful. He will bless Israel. And actually, he points out and even makes it clear that if we just wait on Jehovah, he will work out his purpose and his plan, and he'll do it by being that flowing river. So uh, even we ourselves are in the same boat. We've failed, and sometimes individually, and even some church, whole churches become so despondent, so such a failure, they feel like just giving up. There's no hope. There's no way. God could never forgive me. I've been so bad, all this. But Jeremiah is saying, don't give up (laughs) or do give up and just let God. So he's saying, uh, we're not consumed. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. And God is not going to consume us because he has his plan to work out, and it will be by flowing himself into his people. So we need to take hope in this too, Chris, that we may feel like we've failed so much and so many times that there's no hope, but there is hope. And I think we should encourage all the believers in Christ that even though you didn't see much for a long time, yet now we hope you can see God is a flowing river and he wants to flow this river of life right into your spirit and bless you for eternity so you can be in the eternal new Jerusalem, one with God. 
You know, we heard him say it today, I think maybe on a couple of other occasions in the first few programs in Jeremiah, Israel's failure just opened the way for Christ to come in. And by extension, that applies to each and every one of us, our own failures. Were we not to have them, Francis, in a sense, we would feel like we had no need for Christ. That's right. But our failures give him an opportunity to be manifested and to manifest not just God's mercy and his compassions, which never fail, but even this flowing fountain of his divine economy. We're really seeing uh, Jeremiah through New Testament eyes uh, in this life study, aren't we? I believe so. Well, our time is up. I wish we had more of it, Francis, so you'll have to come back so we can take up again and enjoy this fellowship from the life study of Jeremiah. I'm enjoying this. Would like to do that. If you would like to contact us uh, so that you can receive the printed life study volume, we hope that you'll call us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.